What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear with Skip Hill. I'm Scott McNally. We are joined by Nelson Jones in lieu of oh, Andrew Berry being away. We were going to try to get everybody together uh, and um, and see who looked the most fatigued after <laughs> the week of North Americans, the perpetual week of Saturdays. That's what uh, that's what we were talking yeah. about before the show. Every as a coach, you. Um, you feel like, you know, Saturday is the day that you peak everybody for their shows. But at North Americans, it was Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. It kept going and going. Oh, by the way, all of our programming is brought to you by TrueNutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for some additional savings. Um, oh, I did want to mention, too, uh, shout out to our Patreon people. And specifically, I wanted to give a shout out to a couple new people, Travis and Joel. And get this. Joel, uh, he has a 20-year-old son who's been lifting for a couple of years, uh, and he also listens to the show. How about that? Well, very cool. Well, if, if you had a 20-year-old son, Skip, would you let him listen to our podcast? <laughs> well, I do have a 21-year-old son, and I hope he hasn't listened to the podcast, but I know my girls <laughs> have. So. so shout out to Max. He's, uh, he's been training for a little while. Uh, and thank you for listening to our program. Do you guys want to talk about the study? Let's talk about it. Yep. All right. Skip found us a study. Where did you find the study at, by the way? We were discussing it in the, we have a closed form for Elite FTS, oh. and it was posted in there. So and normally, you know me, I don't read studies. Don't read? The, no, the hmm. fucking words are too big. I need someone to translate. I need like a Google translator that takes the words down to like sixth grade level so that I can understand them. Yeah, but this one was actually pretty good, and because they were discussing it in the elite forum, I thought I'll jump in here and see. And it's lengthy, but at the same time, there are people who you know dig on the you know the studies and everything. I'm not saying it's you know studies are bad or anything else. I just this one, I there were some some gems in there that I found kind of interesting. Okay. And these are just essentially the bullet points, I guess. Or the, so these were some of the, the these were some of the findings they had. It looks like. Well, we could you you sent me the link too, so I can put the link in the show notes for anybody who wants to see this. Yeah. So this is uh, what was the what was the whole point of this study, Skip? Well, the point was just basically, you know, to study how to or the most efficient, optimal way to achieve hypertrophy from a training. Um, primarily from a training standpoint, but there were also, they went into nutrition a little bit too. My problem and why I wanted to read it and why I find found it so intriguing was, and this is what I don't like sometimes about studies. You're taking, at least with this topic, you're taking something very, very gray with a massive, massive amount of variables. I mean, hypertrophy is, you know, how to train for hypertrophy. That's a pretty broad topic. So I was thinking to myself, I'm like, how in the hell are they going to study this, break it down into, you know, all these different, you know, break down all the different variables and everything else, which is probably part of the reason that it was so long. I don't know that here's, here's my take on it afterwards. I wasn't terribly impressed with all of the information. Yeah. However, there was so much information there that a handful of things stood out, a few in particular that I thought was thought was kind of interesting. The two that I had brought up to you, I think, um, or the, the top two that stood out for me, number one was they kind of narrowed it down to roughly 10 sets. They found 10 working sets to be optimal for each muscle group. I'm now, lying, right? even, even with that said, I just think to myself, God, this, how do you, how do you make such a black and white, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, what, what's so the word I'm looking for? A dose of yeah, approximately I, 10 sets per muscle per week would seem to be a general uh, minimum prescription to optimize hypertrophy. Although some individuals may demonstrate uh, substantial hyper, would I say hypertrophic uh, Hyper, response? Yeah, hypertrophic, yeah. Uh, on somewhat lower volumes. Okay, is there anything black and white about that? I mean, let's just throw that out there and I'm going to be hypercritical. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like saying, well, 10, 10 is the best, but 
some people can do less and some people can do more. I mean, that's not something that any of us really would know. But what it brought me to was I was thinking to myself, gosh, what a good topic because we have, and anybody who trains probably does, but as trainers, we see it so much more frequently. We have what we feel is optimal for volume versus intensity versus frequency. So in this particular case, we're talking about once a week. So I was thinking, gosh, you know, it might be interesting to say, okay, let's just assume that it's once a week. And for our own training, the three of us, what do we find hmm. optimal or, you know, do we agree with it or do we not agree with it and relate that to large muscle groups versus small muscle groups? That's true. The difference between, yeah, because I'm not going to train my legs the same way I'm going to train my triceps. Nelson? And I think it's naturally assumed. Do you guys not think that, you know, the, the typical thinking is, well, it's a smaller muscle group, so less sets. If it's half the size, I mean, I'm, you know, making a point because it doesn't have to be exactly, but oh, it's half the size. So, you know, we'll train smaller groups, muscle groups with half of the volume. But I don't look at it that way. That's why I wondered how you guys looked at it. Yeah, what do you think, Nelson? What do you how many what do you do? What do you what do you think is would be if if I were to come up you know what, let's put it this yeah. way. If um Joel's son was to come up to you in the gym, uh Max, and he were to be like, Hey man, I listened to your podcast. How many sets should I do? What would be optimal for me? What would you tell him? I hate that guy question so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's like optimal? It's like, oh, eight, do eight, bro. Eight. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do you, no, what do you uh, do so, though? Seriously. Yeah, so let's say like, I, I think like 10, if I'm looking at like legs or back or something, it's like, it's probably around, right? Like maybe I, I do eight, you know, if I'm, if I'm like training legs and we're talking about like uh, max effort set, rest yeah. set, you know, maybe I, then the next one I might have two that are pretty close to max effort and then one that is max effort and or uh, max effort and the drop set, something like that. And then mm. it ends up like four exercises and that's it. I'm done. It's gone. Um, but with something like arms, I just, I don't train them the same as I train legs. So, and maybe that's why my arms aren't great. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I, I feel like if, if I'm trying to like really overload my arms, I can't use, I can't use the not intensity techniques, but like just the load. So I have to stack other things like sometimes it'll be volume um, where it won't be 10 sets. It'll be way more than 10 sets. But the intensity in what I call a set for arms is like kind of a joke because it's not like where you feel like bleeding in your brain, like after a widow maker, it's just like, yeah. Oh man, my arms hurt now. You know, <laughs> kind of feel like mm -hmm. a, you know, uh, I don't know kind of like a baby complaining about it. But let's say I, I do an arm workout. It might take me 45 minutes. Um, if I'm doing working sets, I might do four for an exercise. Well, I mean, already that's almost half the amount of working sets you have. Now, yeah. there are times when I've done like, um, like the Dante cable curls on the lat pull down bar where you're like, you know, pulling back. And I, I still like that exercise, but I don't do like one set. It, it seems just like more volume is what I need for arms. Um, so I would say that I, I would use though, if, if we're calling 10 sets lower volume, I use that for bigger muscle groups and I don't use it for something like arms. I don't, I guess we call shoulders a small muscle group. And right. Well, it depends I, on how you look at it because you can look at each head or you can look at it as the shoulder complex and then you're taking into consideration all three heads. And I think sometimes those are the things that get lost in translation when we're talking about a muscle group, you know, you can even say legs. Are we talking yeah. about quads and hams? Or are we talking about just right, quads right. and just hams? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah a, so that's a great that's a, that's a great like thing to specify because if you're talking about just quads and just hams, well, then you have 20 sets, and for a leg workout, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially if you're training, I always tell my clients now because I'm doing more one on one. So, you know, in in the past, in the last 20 years, I've only been doing really strictly one on one for about the last year. So now that I'm seeing how people train really right there in front of me, it's a, it's a little bit different. And I, and I mm -hmm. tell them all the time, and you guys have probably seen this too. If you're not training legs as hard as you're training chest, then there's a problem because if you're willing to go to failure on chest or you're willing to go to failure on curls and you're not going to failure on legs or damn close, 
then you got an imbalance there in your in your brain. And I don't mean that as a deficit, but that's it's a misunderstanding of how hard then you, you're either training chest and biceps as an example, too hard, or you're not training legs hard enough. So you got to figure out which one it is if it's not both at the same time. The only reason people don't train legs to fair when they train everything else to fair is it's just fucking harder. And that yep. brings me to my position when it comes to legs because I have always been, my legs don't need a ton of sets to grow. And hmm. I've always thought to myself, I don't know how you guys approach it. I got to put this out here first because this is really important. I'm the type of guy that I have to lock into very black and white work sets because what I'll do is I'll be I'll be feeling great and I'll go on with another exercise for another cup. I'm like, oh, I'm good for another exercise before I know this because you become t- kind of tolerant to the volume and then you kind of build on it a set here, set there. By the time two or three months goes by, then my volume is starting to climb significantly and then i'm thinking gosh you know i'm kind of beat up maybe i'm not progressing as well and then i have to look at so i have to stay very black and white so when it comes to train legs if i take you know as an example 10 sets of legs i completely agree with you if it's 10 sets of legs i'm going to be smoked versus 10 sets of chest 10 sets of back that sort of thing And, and that brings us to the other thing where training back is a very very uh complex muscular system so in my opinion, the muscle group that would have the most volume would be back because there's so many components. You don't yeah. want to miss, you know, middle upper back. You don't want to miss the terrace and everything under the armpit. And then you can't leave out lat work. So then do you count lower back work as well? Do you count trap work? And I think that rear delts should be trained after back. Now you can't, I won't consider, don't consider them necessarily part of the back workout but i find it very efficient to train rear delts after back versus training them on their own day because i think they're such a small group that they're very very easily overtrained. and you can find that out if you train rear delts a day or two prior to training back and then you try to row i've made that mistake like, yeah yeah it feels like my rear delts are going to rip off long yeah. before you know the, the stronger muscles of your back are going to give out so there's a lot of components to it but that's how I, I wonder how you guys felt because I don't subscribe to that. It's a smaller. I mean, I do with say like rear delts or something, but when it comes to say triceps and biceps, I'm going to train usually around the same volume and I train them separately than I do usually with back and chest and shoulders. Uh, but there's just, there's a lot of questions there and I don't, I think most people come at it. They don't have a lot of experience they come at their their volume approach or their numbers for total sets based on the actual size of the muscle. And I just don't think that's a, I don't think that's the best way to go about it. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say for me, the answer is different now because I can't bring that level of intensity that I've brought in the past. And I'd have to think, you know what, too, how about, how about your level of experience too? Like, I feel like because of where I'm at, my situation is a little bit different. I can't, I can't push myself as hard as I could have before I'd gotten sick. But then you take somebody like, you know, a young guy who's 20 years old, you know, he might, he might not be able to push himself just out of, if he's only been training for a year or two, he might not have that level of experience. So maybe a younger kid like that, maybe he does need a little bit more than, say skip would because skip knows how to get in there and turn it on you know just throwing that out there the i guess the variables that make it hard to answer that question of you know what the number would be 10. well and that's why this point of the study is i don't want to say it's laughable because i can appreciate what they're trying to do i mean science i you know i I respect the science component of any anything but if you go through the science of it and there's not this like your answer that you're trying to be so definitive in black and white with is borderline, I don't want to say laughable, but there's too many variables and you're trying to cram it into this small little box and make it very, very black and white. And there's no way to do that. So you could have a 20 year old who's reading that same study. And a lot of the younger kids, correct me if I'm wrong, but they really do dig into at least these days relative to what we did, you know, 30 years ago or 20 years ago, they were much more reliant upon the science of it because they do want to save time. But they want to do it the right way from the start. And when they read this, they could see that. And, you know, you make good points about someone who's young. They don't have the neural pathways that they, you know, coordination. Um, They really, you know, they get a pump and they're surprised 
when if one of us doesn't get a pump within the first three sets, unless we're just three weeks from something's the show, wrong. we're leaving the gym. We're going home yeah. like something. I think I got COVID. Like something's <laughs> fucked up here. I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on. So, you know, you have to develop those neural pathways and you have to be able to, I hate to say mind-muscle connection. Somebody asked that question. I was hoping we were going to go over that because I have strong opinions on that. So I won't get into that now. But just like you said, once you train for a while, it doesn't even have to be a long time. It can be, you know, five, six, seven years, but it takes a while to really develop. And I think it continues to evolve and develop. You can take one set and the longer you train, the more effective that one set gets where at first you're just, you're going to failure and you're like, well, I can't go any farther. Like I, I went to failure. It's just different. I call it the, everybody calls it, a, refers to it as something different. I call it the green room. And I got that term Anybody who has surfed knows what that term is. The green room is when you hit a, and catch a wave that is essentially just perfect. Like everything is rolling in slow motion. Everything is going flawlessly. And you feel like you're in that wave for three hours and you're just, it, it's like, like a drug. You guys have been in those sets where you're like, everything is fluid Everything is perfect. The pace, the feel, left to right, the contraction, the stretch. That's what you can't explain to, to people who train who haven't been there. And yet we do it so regularly when in your early years of training, you don't know that. It's like having, it's like when you're fucking 16 and you're having sex, you think it's the greatest sex you ever had. And then you're like, Oh shit. It took me a little while to figure out. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. You know, that sort of thing. It's, yeah, yeah. it's very similar to training and the more experience you have, then the, the more you can dig into that muscle and you can tear it apart in one set, whether it's rep tempo control, all these things that are locked in and that can be argued to be mind muscle connection, but I've got different opinions on that. So I'll stop right there for that. Yeah. All right. You guys agree with that? I mean, you, one you probably haven't heard green room, yeah. but that, that fluid, that in the zone type of, training in sets that it's like it reminded me since we're it is all going back to volume um i used to get i mean i i have a huge stack of muscle mag muscular development flex like flex magazines in my office um and i remember buying like the flexes in high school um and they would have beginners it's like it's like the lowest amount of volume intermediate and they'd add uh -huh. like two sets per thing and then advance when it's like, yeah. ironically, it should be moving the other way. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that. Completely agree with you on that. Yeah, because the intensity is not there to start. And that's the coordination, especially with more uh, complex movements, uh, squatting, deads, even benching, barbell rows. But anyway, we're going long. I don't want to go too long. There's just a lot of information there. I think it's a good topic. I think you make a good point too, Skip, that I think a lot of the younger people are leaning more into the science. And you know what? We probably didn't do that because they didn't have the science available like it is today. I bet you that if that was available when we were younger and figuring things out, then we would have probably, you know, because it would be a great place to start. At the end of the day, I think that if a kid picks this study up uh, and they were to say, hey, 10 sets is the perfect number of sets, they'll they'll start there, but they'll eventually figure it out. They probably would have been better off than reading that than what what we read, like the old, you know, the old muscle bags, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt, I don't doubt that at all, because really, our idea of research was going. I mean, right. this is not an oversimplification. We would go up to the biggest guy in the gym yeah. and ask him what what they did, and they were nice enough. They weren't, you know, get away from me. I've got my earbuds in. I'm talking to you. You know, of course, they didn't have earbuds, but whatever. Good the, point. The point is, is they were willing to help. And they were flattered by that and they would give you information, even if you didn't ask. Don't try to give yeah. unsolicited advice to anybody in the gym these days because they're going to look at you like, I talk to my bros on Instagram. Dude, I know what the fuck I'm doing. It's like, right. go for it. I don't give anybody advice about it. They can be blowing their fucking kneecaps and lower back out and I'm letting them go. Do your thing, man. I, you're not going to listen didn't, to me. If you want to hear from me, you'll ask me. Didn't you see I was wearing Gymshark? Do you not understand? <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Oh, I forgot somebody that I really wanted to mention. I have one more shout out to give for North Americans before we move on to our questions. And that is Gary motherfucking Turner. Yes. Oh. Yeah. This look guy's at that. a fucking machine. He's a fucking machine. He is. I dude, I can't. There were so many people 
that were like, Gary, congratulations. You know what I mean? Like just because he put he put it together, man. This is, yeah. I think, the best Gary Turner that we've seen. So I wanted to give a huge shout out to him. Yeah. 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 And a, and a solid guy. I was really glad to have him on the podcast because I just didn't know very much about him. And that guy is, I mean, his level of humility. I know you'd is, like him. It's just really impressive. And, you know, he's a family guy and he just he's just he's just enjoying the ride after so many years. He just, he just enjoys the process. And yeah. I know myself after putting in so many years, sometimes it's not always roses and sometimes you want to whine and bitch, but at least if he does it to his wife, God love her for putting up with it, <laughs> but he doesn't do it publicly. He's just very, he still just truly loves the process. And people, if you haven't been in it for a long, long time, you got to put the long, long time in before you realize that it's not always every day is not enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. It's not always like that. He made a post too. He was like, he said it was before finals and his daughter was like, Hey dad, when do they give you your trophy? And he was like, well, he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, just because he's like, I got to teach her a lesson. It's just because you work your hardest and you show up doesn't mean that you're going to get a trophy. I thought that was really good, cool. Good lesson. So did I. Yeah. 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 I All saw right. that too. Yeah. We've got a few questions from the live feed. Uh, and then we've got some questions from the Facebook group. This one's from Anthony. Uh, slow concentrics and slow eccentrics is a topic that recently came up again. Uh, the difference in muscle damage it creates and the different metabolic effects, et cetera, et cetera, uh, could be a good topic to hear where and how you guys use them on yourself and your clients, some suggestions on exercises and where to put them in your routine. Can we, can we define slow? That's a good question. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So does it mean controlled? Does it mean ridiculously slow? Like super slow? Uh, what does control mean? Um, I've always said that control should be that if you needed to, you could stop the rep at any point. Yep. That to me is control. And that at least gives, in my eyes, more of a clear indication of you can still move it. You don't have to move it ridiculously slow, but if you had to stop it, you could stop it within like a couple inches of anything you're doing. Do you guys agree with it? Is that is that a relatively good? I, I thought it was good, but is that maybe not breaking it down enough? Or do you guys think that slow is is like you know what? four and five seconds and that sort of thing? I just had a thought, and I'm going to say this. I think that slow varies on the exercise because for oh, me, oh yeah. a slow negative on, say, a dumbbell incline press is going to be different than a slow negative on, say, a bent over barbell row completely agree i was thinking of the barbell row myself and i was actually thinking of the positive portion okay. of of pulling it's an oh. explosive to me it's an explosive move yeah there should be an explosive yeah. move on a, on a row usually if you're doing a barbell or a t-bar or something like that in my opinion so yeah that is that would be completely that would be completely different that's a good point yeah especially with a bent row because like if you were doing controlled eccentrics it's very easy to start using your arms for a back movement mm -hmm. because yeah. you're just like just just trying to hold it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you would chop that. I mean, think about it. You know, I know it's a kind of an arbitrary statement in the sense that, but you'd almost chop your weight in half sometimes if you were to truly yeah. move it ridiculously slow because you're not going to get retraction. You're not going to get the you know scapula are going to want to come together. At all. It just really in that that particular exercise really kind of has to be an explosive movement. I explain them to my clients where instead of fast, slow, this is an, ex I say this, they've hear, heard this a lot, explode up, control down, explode up, control down versus something like, let's say maybe a long pulley row, even though it could be used different ways. I see a long pulley row as more of a controlled stretch and squeeze versus a relative to a barbell row or a T-bar row. So I have different more, like I'll, I'll label them as more explosive versus uh, I call them stretch and squeeze, essentially stretch and squeeze like a pec deck or, you know, things like that, a leg extension. I'm not a power up control down on a leg extension or a pec deck. But uh, again, that's me. And it comes back to preference. How about yeah. this then? I got some. So I'm thinking like, you know, if somebody's listening to the podcast, watching the show and they're looking for a take home, what are these? You know, what what can we commit to here that we can say, you know, uh, generally is is the way to do things and i think we're all saying to to have some level of explosiveness on the concentric Am I yeah right i would now? agree with that yeah okay 
I, the only people I've ever heard who like, well, correct me if I'm wrong, because this could be totally not like, um, for people who I've heard be vocal about like doing slower concentrics for there's some benefit would be like Milos has talked about it. Okay. Um, and then Dennis James, where it's been like a Smith press, he'll go like four seconds up. Hmm. Now, I don't know, but I've always thought that concentric should be very explosive. I will make an exception and see if you guys think about this. What about something like that puts the muscle in a very stretched position, like say a dumbbell fly? I'm not as explosive on the concentric when it comes to a dumbbell fly or something like that. I guess when I think about a dumbbell fly, I think about it like a pec deck, as in like it's stretch and squeeze. So yeah, okay, yep. I'm more just I I'm the only reason I'm raising the weight is to lower it again. Okay, so could we even label it uh, just to try to be more black and white? Could we agree that maybe compound movements are exploding control versus the concentric being more controlled when it's an isolation that is more of a stretch movement that potentially puts, you know, the the primary working muscle in more of a vulnerable position from the stretched, you know, obviously you got more muscle fibers firing in a stretched position. So you, you know, the, the pec itself is in a more vulnerable position in the bottom of a dumbbell fly versus say the bottom of a dumbbell press. I would say, I would say that there still is risk though, at the bottom of a dumb, because I was, I was waiting to jump in with that. Um, I took a cue from big Dave Smith on learning my, basically relearning, I should say, the dumbbell inclined press this past couple of years. And the way he explained it was to kind of ease out of the hole. So I'm bringing it all the way down. And then as, like imagine, and he used the analogy of like not whipping your grandma's head around if she were in the passenger seat of your car, that, Mm -hmm. you know, you can floor it, uh, but you don't just you don't just slam your foot on the pedal like you could drive fast with your grandma in the car, but you would ease your foot onto the gas. And that's what I try to do out of the hole, because I figure that the way he's explained it to me and the way I feel it, the way I understand it now is that at the bottom, that pec is um, it's it's more vulnerable. The tricep isn't as engaged and the shoulders not as engaged as like once you get up to that point, you know, where your arm. I say that point, our audio listeners can't hear me but I don't know what I'm talking about. Once you get up uh, a few inches, then everything starts pushing together. But when you're right down in that hole, it's going to be, you know, like you're in a more vulnerable position. So I would say that you could probably, and I'm just trying to redefine it further. Cause I think you guys are right. Like you don't want to just like slam out of the bottom of a chest of a, of a fly, you know, you tear right. your pec, but I feel like if I also don't want to slam out of the bottom of the, um, the chest press and maybe I don't want to slam out of the bottom of anything. So maybe it is like a, you know, in easing into it and gathering momentum and then pushing hard. Like, cause I could think that maybe even with the pec deck, I could still drive it, you know, really hard, but maybe I need to add momentum as I go. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you, it's not just like a hit your foot to the floor kind of thing. I guess that's okay. That's how I would further define it. That, you just don't hit your foot to the floor probably ever really, you know? Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's something, and these are the things that we're, we're again, taking gray areas and we're trying to make them as black and white as we can to be able to explain them. She, I, I, I don't know if it's she, she, he, who asked the question though, clearly. He. And, okay. He clearly though, the negative portion. I'm offline. It uh, says. What's that? I said I was offline for a minute. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, okay. No, the, clearly though, the negative, just so that, and I think that the large majority of people already know this because it's very, it's quite rudimentary, but sometimes it gets missed. The negative portion of a movement is far more stressful to the muscle than the positive uh, movement. That's why they've done studies on, you know, we did this like, I want to say 15, 20, it might've been 20 years ago where the studies started to come out. There were a few studies showing how effective the negative portion of 
a rep is that we started doing negatives only. And that was the trend briefly mm. uh, until we found out that it was just taxing CNS so bad that you would end up overtrained like a month. I mean, literally you do like bench with negatives and then your partner would, you know, help you bring it back up. You wouldn't even lift much of it your own and you would just do sets of negatives. And which honestly is a very good way to train chin ups if you're weak at them and you're limited like you're at home and you only have a chin-up bar versus a lat pull and all these new hammer machines and everything else, you can always use a bench and you can jump up and you can do holds and then you can slowly lower yourself on the negative, jump back up and you will build your chin-up strength, your um, chin-ups or pull-ups. There's another argument for you um, as to what the label is, but nonetheless, chin-up, pull-up, and you will build your strength relatively quickly. I don't know that you, you know, you, you got to be careful with that negative portion, but more damage and more growth comes from the negative portion of a rep, just for anybody who isn't clear on that. All right. I'm going to move on, guys. Let's see here. <laughs> Ethan asked a question to Skip. He says, uh, I'd like to Skip to touch on what his meals looked like when he was raising his daughters. Like, did they just sit down at the table and Skip uh, would eat chicken or what? Uh, I just had a daughter and I'm thinking about balancing in the future. Uh, what do you think, Skip? Well, if you're thinking about balancing and you're actually taking into consideration what is good for your family, you're not hardcore. I mean, you're not <laughs> selfish. You're not narcissistic. So I can't relate. No, um, raised four kids actually and, and competed the large majority of that time. So what I would do is I would have my meal times and everything, but I was much like this guy I was concerned about my family, my family and my kids feeling normal and having dinner and stuff. So I always made, and my wife will back me up on that. She's not listening. She lies and says she listens, but she doesn't. So I could say a whole bunch of shit about her and she would never know unless one of you assholes message her with a clip. But anyway, <laughs> I would still cook all the meals as far as dinner. So I even used to make breakfast burritos once a week. I would prep their breakfast burritos with all homemade shit, wrap them up in aluminum foil, put them in the fridge. And then by Wednesday, they were all gone because they liked them that much. But they would take one onto the bus and they would eat. I always made it a point that my kids, I wanted them to eat normal but relatively nutritious and even during preps, they had what was called, or we had what was called McDonald's day. So we would, I would get done at the gym. This is when they were super young and we would drive through McDonald's on the way home. Even when I was prepping it, I'd have to smell that fucking McDonald's food and get them their happy meals once a week so that they were normal because McDonald's once a week, isn't going to kill your fucking kids. And then they don't feel like they were, you know, deprived as a child. Cause I'll tell you what will happen. If you deprive your kids too much and you're so healthy and you don't let them eat anything, I, I wouldn't let them drink milk because I, I still to this day do not think that milk is, is that great. They would tell me, they would come home when they were like nine and be like, I traded my this like sandwich or something oh. and, I, and I got Susie's chocolate milk and they thought that I was going to be pissed about. I'm like, oh, really? Wow. Well, that's not very cool. I hope you don't shit your pants or, you know, have stomach <laughs> problems, you know, that sort of thing kind of mess them a little bit. But when you get too limiting with kids <laughs> yeah. they're around their turning his kid and saying i hope you don't shit your pants yeah. with a straight face to him like yeah. Yeah. i'm like you haven't you haven't shit your pants yet like, no i just picked like, okay it's well like be careful because if you try to fart or something a little bit of poop might come out you never know i just feel you as a dad you fuck with your kids and it's like the most fun thing ever but anyway <laughs> they what they'll do is they'll go to your their friend's house and they will eat all the shit they're not allowed to eat so yeah. then they become focused on that because they don't get that and trust me all of your kids as friends, they all eat like shit and their family eats like shit and they're probably overweight because the large majority of normal people are overweight and they got potato chips and they got garbage and shit. So you just want to, what I did was I tried to balance it and provide healthy shit. I would cook crock pots and shit at night or I'd make their dinners so that they were good. So if there was a balance of they, they taste really good, but they're all, they also had nutrition. I'm like, I would never make my kids like a fucking bologna sandwich or I don't even know if they had salami or pepperoni and shit. If we got a pizza, it didn't have crap like that on it. That's just me. So there has to be some balance in there. But no, I, I ate my normal foods. I was every bit as locked in raising kids. Uh, I just tried to make it as normal as possible. And when they did ask about it, I would just say that this is what I do, but this shouldn't impact you because this is something that I take on myself and something that, that I want to do. So I have to eat this way, which will make your kids, especially your boys, want to do what you're doing. They will eat dry oatmeal and pretend they love it. 
it's it's a it's actually a really cute thing to see that happen. I had my nephew running around the house with you know he's a little chunker. He'd run around the house. As soon as I came over, he'd take off his shirt or he'd come over here and even take <laughs> off his shirt because I can't wear my shirt because I have nerve damage from shingles. So when I have my shirt, like right now, I want to take it off, but I can't do that because you know we're on take a podcast. The second this off. podcast is done, I pull it off. <laughs> Because it hurts. So he would come over and he'd want to run around. He's only like six years old. He'd want to run around, you know, his chubby little belly hanging out and everything because his pops doesn't wear a shirt. So shit like that. They're, they're very, they'll do or take on what, what you do a lot of the times too. But I'll tell that guy this, have, have fun with it. Cause all my kids are gone. And I'm telling you, my life is boring as fuck versus when I was raising kids. You think when you're done, you're going to have a lot of fun. And then you realize how fucking boring it is. And you just wish you're like, ah, I wish I could do it over again. Even though it was massive amount of work, I wish I could do it over again. So have fun with it and enjoy it. Cause it'll be done before you know it. That was like such a good answer. That I think <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to mess my kids up. <laughs> <laughs> it, there'll be no, it, because they're around it all the time. It'll actually be, they'll, they'll question the other dads. And other parents not working out, not doing, they'll think that's not normal. It's like, I mean, and I, this isn't funny, but it's to make my point. I worked with kids who were abused and neglected. That is their norm. That's what they know. That's why no matter really to a certain degree, no matter how bad parents are and neglectful or abusive, those kids will love their parents and Mm. they'll be miserable without them when they're taken out of the home. Because that is familiar to them and that's what they know is love and that's what they know is normal. So every family has their normal and yet we're all fucked up in our own little way. Hmm. We just see what we do in our dynamic and our families as being normal. Good or bad. It's funny. um, So obviously I just eat my food and then I make my daughter (laughs) whatever, you know nutritious food but like it's not what i'm eating um generally not anymore anyway uh i'll play with her and be like oh can i have what you're eating so it'll be like a yogurt or something silly it's like oh i want that and she's like no daddy's gonna eat yogurt yeah um, <laughs> right and, and then it's like you know she'll be eating like you know a cookie i'm like oh i want the cookie and i'll like i grab her hand and like act like i'm putting it in my mouth she's like daddies don't eat cookies <laughs> so at, at normal daycare, dads do yeah. <laughs> at, at, at daycare there's this guy who runs it um and he was walking in with a wendy's cup and she's like daddies don't eat that and he's like this daddy does <laughs> <laughs> that's good shit yeah. oh shit yep there you go chicken and rice all right what do we got here uh looks like a fats question hey coach Coach N, is this is this your uh, client, Macy? Oh, yeah, it is. All right, Macy <laughs> says uh, diet question. I saw someone say they respond better to added plant fats versus animal fats. Is there really any big of a difference between the two? Is there? A, I mean, there's a difference in the fact that they're plant animal. And right, I guess, yeah, exactly. there's good plant fats, there's bad plant fats, there's I think, good animal yeah, fats. Like, I, I think I might know the person who she's um, referring to. Um, and with that guy, if she's talking about the other client, it was just something he'd figured out on his own. Okay. And he told me, it's like, listen, it's like, I, I'm, I'm not like uh, this fat and this fat are like irritating. Um, oh, and yeah. Whenever, whenever I have like mac oil, it's not a satiating, but I feel good. Yeah. And so... You know, it's, it's something like that. Just give that, that biofeedback, like whether it's like I get a rash or I have, like if I eat avocado and it upsets my stomach. I mean, well, okay, well, maybe you need a, a fat without fiber. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, something like that. It just, I mean, there's just so much individualness that goes into this um, that it's kind of hard, like on paper, not really that different. I mean, in, in the same way, it's like, you know, that's where we got the whole like macro movement, right? It's like a carb is a carb is a carb. Mm. It's like it is, it is, and it's not. So, right. I mean, like Twizzlers that are twenty carbs are the same 
as you know just 20 carbs from rice like you know <laughs> i like that it was like magic you know it's you know that's the, the voodoo hands I don't yeah know what call yeah yeah this is the same as rice but it's not the same and you know satiety is different digestion's different different amounts of chemicals different, different amount of micronutrients so some people's bodies just aren't going to do well with some things the same reason why like you could have I don't know, freaking a sweet potato and half the people say like, oh, dude, this sits amazing. I love it. And then yeah. the other people say it's like it just sits in my stomach for 17 hours. I've got gas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it just makes sense that it goes with fat. And then I have, you know, some people it's like they can't add nut butter, but we can have a couple steak meals and it Ooh. fits awesome. Yeah. You know, and you know what? I'd yeah. rather have steak. Yeah. Yeah. Some people would. I'd rather have peanut butter. Here, I'm going to throw something out here, and I got to be very careful how I word this. So be very careful with anybody. how you word this. Don't yes. offend anybody, Skip. Yes, I don't want to piss anybody off. I've done that enough over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, which isn't funny. Boom. That was that was again me just trying to add some levity. But I think being very careful here that people. Let's put it this way. The placebo effect matters. Okay. I am not saying that anybody who says that they feel better doing one thing versus something else in this particular case, a a fat, a plant fat versus a nano fat. I'm not saying that they can't, that all of them can't tell the difference. All I'm saying is the majority likely don't notice it. You might feel maybe I'm not as inflamed, but causation, correlation versus causation, there's a lot of questions there. If if you've done it frequently enough and you're really in tune with your body and you feel that that's the case, more power to you. But in the large, in the, I would say the majority, not everyone, but the majority, it's more of a placebo effect. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something here. I, I went to Whole Foods. I get my food for Sundays. I eat relatively clean for my skip loads right now. For my last meal, I might have some chips, but I will make sure that they're Boulder company chips, which are avocado oil and black pepper. That's that sort of thing. I'll eat a handful and be like, okay, cool. I feel better knowing that they're cooked in avocado oil. Or if I get French fries from five guys and they're cooked in peanut oil, I feel better that that is a better fat source than cooking them in just fucking Crisco or whatever the hell they cook shit in these days. And I say yeah. Crisco, people won't even know what that is, but you know, I'm old. So they cook it in Crisco. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I think a large part of that is placebo. And I think that I'm gonna make one more comment that I'm gonna be careful with, but I think that careful. vegans are worse about this because they, they're so much more convinced that plant oils are so superior. I think that. <laughs> Sorry, I like I the Warren better, but that's not bad. Uh, I think that they're they're convinced that it's so much better, and I would argue that omega sixes aren't much much better or significantly better unless you're really focusing on omega threes and you just really have your fat intake. Not only are you very well researched, very well read on the nutritional components of the different types of fats, but that you're consistent in instituting them because we all know vegans and I've got my friends and I bust their balls all the time. They still love a burger every now and then. I'm like, you're not a fucking vegan. You're a convenient vegan until you get hungry. You're a vegan, that type of shit, which is okay. I mean, to each their own and everybody can do their own thing. If you're a vegan, large majority of the time, it's not hundred percent of the time that's your business. And I, I'm not saying I don't support that. I just am making the point that I think a lot of it is more of how we think we're going to feel because it's healthier and it sits yeah. better on our brain. I think the I think that Nelson makes a good point about how something may have fiber in it and that that could be a realistic, you know, an actual reason why, you know, something that doesn't have fiber in it could potentially cause, sure. you know, a different response like mm-hmm. versus Absolutely. just in your head. I'm going to jump on, though, because we had another skip question up here. Yeah, I know, man. I wonder, Everybody's... I wonder who asked all these questions. Hmm. I know, right? Oh, dude. And he was going back to like <laughs> the old school stuff. Uh, let's see here. Went through some old topics at IM. What's IM? What's, yeah, what's M? Yeah, M. M. I don't get from it. M. Yeah. Oh, intense muscle. Oh, oh shit. Intense My muscle. Bad. Message for it. Check it out. <laughs> uh, golden info. Would oh, Skip nice. still use a shitload morning of the show, 
like in days past with someone um, or are those days gone and he would deem a skip load much better. Do you do skip um, loads morning of the show? It depends. It's not yeah. all it's it, the thing is, is skip load has become where it was very, very black and white before in the early stages. Skip load now I, it's kind of a reference to it could be a shitload it could, because the fat and the carb content may switch based on the individual and so does the timing. But sometimes it'll happen the morning of the show. There, there are variables as to why that would happen. Um, I, I try not to unless I see a consistent response like a Manny, you know, uh, Manny Rodriguez, my 212 guy. We went to the Marlins game on Saturday night. He can load and he will respond so ridiculously well within just an hour or two that he gets dramatically drier and dramatically fuller. Mm. At this. It's like a retarded convert. Not everybody can do that. Some people will actually get a little bit watery. And then as the next few hours go by, then the process of pulling the water, it's like they get watery because the, you know, they're essentially it's a little bit of a shock to their body. And then the body pulls the water and starts storing. It's almost a slower process for some people than gifted, you know, athletes who tend to respond very, very quickly and efficiently. So definitely can shitload. I would say this though. It's not terribly common. The reason that I pulled away from the black and white definition of, of shitloading is because there for the bigger you are the harder it is to get a dramatic response right away as far as filling out you can start to dry out more right away and you can get more vascular but you the bigger guys weren't filling out quick enough so it would work as an example for everybody up until about most people up until about like through the middleweight division once hmm. you start to get into the light heavies and then into the heavies and the supers hmm. it takes longer for, for them to fill out then. So then the question becomes, did you load prior? Did you start the load, you know, or loading, whether it be clean, whether it be skip loading, shit loading, and then you're just finishing it off the morning of the show. Yeah. Or are you just loading the morning of the show? There, there's so many factors that it's not a black and white answer, but the short answer is, yeah, I, I will. It's just not as common. It's usually a fill and spill. Um, you know, John, everybody knows John is saying that and, and John, I mean, this is kind of, John got that term to fill and spill is in my, my longevity DVD. That is the process of you load three, four five days out. You load to the point where you're overloaded in your watery. And so you're, you filled and you've spilled and now you clean up for a couple of days and you get rid of the sub Q water. And then you step on stage and you're still full because you haven't been training your ass off for the last couple of days prior to the show. You're not doing cardio. So you tend to hold your fullness a little bit longer. And then your, uh, your, your best combination of full versus dry. Hmm. That's typically the way it goes. But I also do. I think a lot of people would be surprised. I do more loading now sometimes. Well, now than I ever did in the past to where some of that loading is actually cleaning. It starts at like a week out or it starts at a week and a half or two weeks out and ramps up. And then there might be a load at the last one, but that, that would only depend on how they were responding to the load all the way through. And if they could benefit more from that, like they need to fill, they're not filling out enough, things like that. Let's talk, Nelson, tell me a little bit about the way that you would load people in general. I'm curious because I feel like the way I've loaded people, I wanted to try to get Nelson in on this and hear his thoughts too. We talk, we, we, uh, well, it's different for me. It's different guys to girls generally. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, Good point. Only, Good point. The, the only reason is like if I have a, a man, it's like he probably needs to be bursting full, especially if he's a bodybuilder, right? Sure. Where it's like girls, like it really doesn't matter. So your approach to prep is quite sexist. I just want to make that very, very clear. It, it just. In case you want to, uh, and, yeah, and, and it has and then, to be. I'm kidding. It, it, also, it's like uh, I have 80 percent women, so it's strongly. Do you like, really? I didn't realize you had that many yeah. that many females versus males. Okay. Well, you know, guys don't spend money and they know everything, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But That's um, point. Uh, I, I like prepping girls a lot. Um, I feel like I don't know. They just they don't complain as much. What's your favorite division to prep for? Oh, now it's wellness. Yeah. yeah. I haven't worked with anybody like, you, with, you, in wellness. You can, figure yeah, you is mine. You can. Oh, I mean, I've, I've always liked figuring like women's physique used to be my favorite. Yeah. 
um, because like you just get to get gnarly, you know. Um, but I don't know. It, it's nice to have something like a different because I never liked prepping bikini at all. Yeah, um, it didn't make sense. Uh, I don't like the peaking process where it's like they need to get softer. It didn't make sense to me. Like, yeah. but as far as like um, loading in general, I like loading early in general. Like, let's say like a Tuesday. Um, and sometimes it's Phil's Phil. And if it was like, you know, a really big guy, um, and like you had mentioned before, it's like a big guy, it's harder to move the dial. Um, so if I have a heavyweight, I can't get him on Friday night. Usually it's like, not if he's flat, I got to start that process a couple days back, have the ball rolling. And then I could top him off Friday. I can't, but with, with anyone else, you know, I could dry him out really hard then fill them, insert water where I need it. Mm, exactly. And, exactly. And bring it That's all a together, very good right? point. Yep. And so absolutely. with, with a lot of the guy, let's say I have, most people are light heavyweights, right? That's like the, mm. the most popular uh, weight class. So with the light heavyweight, I'd say normally I'm pushing pretty hard through Wednesday, Thursday. I'm like load probably close to all day. Friday morning, I'm drying him out. Friday night, loading more. He should be drying hard on Saturday. You know, that's about what um, I do now too. So it just it's it's easier to like put the food in, leave it, dry hard, and then top off what you didn't get. In my opinion, um, I agree with that. So rather than like you know you're trying to juggle all these balls right all at the end. It's like yeah. handle one thing, then the next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Skip, you just, you, when you're talking about fill and spill, when would somebody spill and figure for a Saturday show? Um, I like to try to finish the loads by Wednesday night. So okay. Thursday is a cleanup. Um, but here's the, here's the thing, and I just compare this to Nelson. Maybe... I load them really, really, and I get them more watery than he may. Um, uh-huh. They're just different, very, you know, they're different variables, and that's where it comes down to the different process to get to the end result. And it's why we don't have one coach coaching everybody and, right. you know, whoever hits the stage. So I tend to do it that way. And then that way on Friday, then it's kind of a gate. I have a full day to gauge based on how much water they moved on a Thursday. And yeah. again, this isn't a hundred percent of the time. This is the, probably the majority of the time though. And then from there, then I can see the, the time where um, the skip load or even a shit load would be beneficial on a Saturday morning is let's just say that they were pushing. It was a show that they had to weigh in the night before. And then they competed on a Saturday and they, we were going to struggle to get them to a weight and they were going to be, you know, like it was going to be questionable. Then you have to, you're, you're just like Nelson was saying, you're going to get them dry as shit. You're going to get that. They're going to be flat as hell. And then you have to, and this is the important part that Nelson touched on that I didn't, you can't just load somebody and expect them to fill out, especially once they're dry I mean, yeah, without yeah. fluid. But the cool thing is, is when you add the fluid back in, it becomes a very, very, a much more dramatic and quicker process. You just watch literally, I mean, you can put water in and, you know, within 20 minutes, you can start to see yeah. sometimes you could see that effect starting to, and then you have to manage the water much more than the actual food. A lot of people will have enough food in them yes, to fill yeah. out, but they don't have enough fluid because they're scared to death that they're going to, because you know, once you, I always say, once you have gone too far, it's too close. There's no there's no pulling back. I mean, we could, you know, we don't want to tell our clients that. Well, yeah, you, I don't want to say you pretend either, but you don't just go, yeah, there's nothing we can do. Write it out, have fun with it. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to say that you're going to try to on the, the occasion, cause it happens where there is spilling, you see it and you're, you're telling yourself, Oh, fuck my life. Like, Oh shit. But you're not telling your client that you're trying to then go into damage control. It wouldn't help anything if occasion. you got them worried. Mm-hmm. Is what it comes. No, down to no, exactly. Yeah. It'll only make it worse, and they're probably already worried. So there's a fine line um, because you never lie to a client, you never bullshit them. But uh, this is this is tough to say. But please, listeners, understand what I'm saying. The best lie is a half truth. You have to keep hope, and you have to yeah. keep them on track. And yes, you're paid not only for the results, but to handle their stress and exactly. their worry. 
and their anxiety so that they don't have to. It can be explained later. And it could be yeah. as simple as you fucked it right. up. Your timing was off and yeah. you did something wrong and you have to own that shit because if you don't, they're going to know that it was you if they executed like they're supposed to 100% and it didn't go right. A water issue when they execute correctly and it doesn't go right is your fault as a trainer. You right. can be a great trainer, you can be a shitty trainer, but it is your fault if they executed and the client knows. We might not, we might wonder, maybe they didn't execute, maybe they cheated, maybe they didn't do this. The client knows whether they did it and they're the ones that are going to not trust you for not being accountable and they, if they're smart, if you're not accountable, they shouldn't hire your ass again. You got to own yep. your shit. Fair enough. All right, cool. Honestly, I feel like this podcast, this episode is different. We're kind of doing like it's not as it's not as um, YouTube friendly. Probably, we're just talking about shit that I want to talk about today, and I like it. That's that's what I have to it's say. Pretty low stress. How about that? It's it's there's yeah. lower anxiety in the air. No, no <laughs> I, I mean, don't feel like we offended anybody or pissed anybody no, off. No, Skip, I'm not that. even I'm not even talking about that. I'm saying like just our topics. We're going deep into prep stuff, and I yeah, I, I yeah. don't know if uh, you you guys let us know. Maybe maybe this isn't stuff that people want to hear, but it's stuff that I really enjoy talking about, and I enjoy hearing about it from you, Skip, because like you know, Nelson, you've been doing this for a while. I've been doing this for a while, and Skip's been doing this for a really really long while. So Whatever. we can learn. We can learn a lot by yeah. I'm just I'm, like I'm learning listening to you talk. By the way, I guess it, that's it what is I'm funny because he mentioned the longevity DVD, and I remember watching that like I don't remember it was because it's all uploaded in sections. On it's not even know. a DVD, yeah. is it? I know. Back <laughs> then, DVDs were that was the attraction. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Calls, it, he calls it different. DVD, but I remember, yeah. um, I remember watching that. I think it was in like my college dorm room. Um, oh shit. Yeah, so it was a while ago, but I remember, <laughs> I remember watching it because um, I was a lurker on Intense Muscle back then. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, I hate, I hate to go back that far, but I mean, you know, it's still there. I still get people who will comment on it, and it's just, it is funny. The DVD thing is kind of funny because it's such an odd It's almost like saying, well, if you go back and you check out the eight track tapes that I have on nutrition yeah, yeah. and training, you <laughs> be like, what? What the fuck are you talking about? Check out my elbow. It's been a while. Yeah. Been a while. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this thing up, guys. I appreciate you guys being here. And like I said, uh, I always enjoy listening to you talk, Skip, when we, especially when we get into this stuff about prep and everything, because I'm, uh, I'm still learning, too, along the way. My brain's still – I'm coming off of this week of, like, prep after prep after prep finishing. I feel like I'm going to get some good sleep tonight. I only have one That's person awesome. competing next weekend. How about you, Very Nelson? Cool. You got a busy weekend next weekend? No, no. I'm, I'm done – making sure I'm not lying. I have, I only have four people till the Olympia. Okay. And then after that is just local shows and nationals. So that's not super stressful. Cause you think like one national level show, like June through August. Yeah. I was gone like almost every weekend. Yeah. So now it's like, well, I don't even have anything to do. So hang out. <laughs> How about you skip? What do you got coming up here? I got a wedding in eight weeks. It's part of the reason that I had the foresight, and this is just me because I, you know, you guys have reminded me how fucking old I am. But no, my uh, our middle daughter is getting married in, oh, in Milwaukee. Yeah, so that's been. I knew that it would be kind of chaotic and you know, kind of stressful and stuff leading up to it. So I backed off after <clears throat> the beginning of the summer, and not only that, but then we turn around the within a month and we go back because she grads graduates with her BSN. Uh, in Milwaukee as well, and then she starts the master's program. Hell yeah, uh, for good for her, man. Uh, next okay. year, yeah, she's she's kicking it. We're killing it. She's I'll get it right. She's killing it and kicking it at the same time. Yeah, we're very proud of her and looking forward to the wedding and stuff like that. So it's a you know it's a good time. It's a it's a fun time. Nice. All right. Well, everybody who's hung with us, we appreciate you guys. <laughs> I think we had some issues with the feed off and on, uh, but if you're here. We're happy to have you. Uh, I'm holding a magazine. I'm pointing with a magazine in my hand. <laughs> You're here. Uh, just in case. Just in case, That's how we get pulled off YouTube. <laughs> no, they, you can have a magazine. You can have a magazine. You can't have the okay. other part that goes to that. Yeah. But, oh, okay. All right, guys. Check out our sponsor, truenutrition.com. Uh, I just... 
I so I picked up the uh, the red velvet. I've gone through a pound of Team Skip red velvet. I'm still not complete. Like it's not my chocolate peanut butter cup. Okay, that's fair enough. Mm-hmm. It's not my like I've given it a fair shake, but it's growing on me. Like the first time I drank it, I was like, man, I don't even know. But I love the color because it does have that red I know, tone it to it, you know? It's unique to me. I think that's why, because it's just a little bit different taste yeah. than usual. Uh, I'm still a salted caramel and vanilla kind of guy. I combine the two. So everybody has their preference. Um, I thought it was pretty good. The peaches and cream, completely unique and different. I wouldn't put it at the top of the list, but it's certainly one of their better trial. Because um, sometimes in trial, if it has cinnamon in it, I'm not a fan. Yeah. When something comes out with cinnamon, I'm like, that's fucking fireball. <laughs> that tastes like fireball and I don't like fireball. So everybody just has their, you know, has their preferences and stuff. But I like the fact that it was unique. I thought that was good. a little bit different. I agree. Um, that's all we got for you guys. Uh, Nelson, do you have a, a website for people? No, I have an Instagram. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, who does websites anymore? Well, it's just like, I know I feel so unprofessional, but it's like, ah, I guess I'm, I'm a, a the child of my generation, right? Yes. So no, well that. So check out Nelson over on Instagram. We'll have a link down below. And of course you can go to teamskip.com. Check out Skip. McNally Diets at Gmail. See you guys soon. Appreciate you watching. 